Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 329, and today we'll be talking about the Lucy and the Yeti episodes from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, five episodes, and this is where they chose to spend them, huh? We spent way more time than I ever thought we would have with the Yetis, but it was pretty great. It was totally well-themed as the ending for a sort of winter special. You know, definitely, definitely made me feel in the season. Oh. And you think that was intentional? I think that it ended up that way. Now we have three sets of specials in season three. This one was at least always meant to come after the Susie and Ramona one because, yeah, you know, Hedgehog and Oscar already know about Lucy's identity in the first episode. So it's not like they just could have ordered them in any way. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've definitely spent time in the snowy mountains before without it being time around, you know, December, but I'll take it either way. And I don't want to fail to mention the theme song this time, which also contributed to that. Ooh, yes, was gorgeous. Yeah, just felt super wintry along with Yeti-ish. So, you know, definitely put me in the mood. And I loved that this time they didn't even write lyrics. Because, of course, the Yetis <laughs> just play instruments. And besides, let's be honest, you already know the lyrics. <laughs> but I, I do want to just point out, or ask, I should say, about the, the very first episode where it's like, Hey, Oscar Hedgehog, can you keep a secret? And Hedgehog is like, yes, and Oscar's like, no. And so they, they send Hedgehog away from Lucy and Oscar with her. When Saxophone said at the end of the episode, Oscar, you had one job. Was his job to accidentally blab to Lucy? <laughs> that it was the point the whole time? I don't think so, because it doesn't work well within their plan. I'm going to say, this trope of character doesn't know that thing is being planned for them, and their day goes bad while that thing is planned, it's getting a little old, <laughs> because it just seems like you could plan it better. I never liked that one. It just seems like you could have thought of a more nice i mean why not keep lucy occupied just doing something not completely horrifying like mostly dealing with the yeti's hair send her off to taste the sundays yeah i mean it's not like she was suspecting that the sundays were some part of some greater event right oh well (sighs) i don't know i don't know i mean it was kind of funny hearing oscar complain about jet lag after walking for what was it five minutes 15 minutes a very short amount of time 10 feet or was it meters <laughs> who knows <laughs> but i do have i mean i i've noticed that oscar's been dumber lately yes uh, but i mean this is i feel this is even worse like if you compare this version of oscar to the version of oscar we got in the first 20 episodes it's like I hope his parents are getting a full refund from Susie because whatever (laughs) she promised, like, you know, being a more independent person, learning problem-solving skills, it's not happening. It's happening in reverse. I I have the phrase completely flanderized fool in my my notes. He's he's too often becoming the, the butt of the joke right now. He does have, in this series of five episodes, he has one respite where... You know, he acts as the dad or perhaps the mom to Lucy. And, you know, so in that, he doesn't look completely silly. But actually, is it in the very same episode that Lucy calls the mistakes she made Oscar-level mistakes? 
it's, it's, it's a harsh, a harsh <laughs> yes. commentary on poor Oscar. Like, he's such a sweet boy, and he's too sweet to always be made fun of. And, you know, it's never too extreme. And Oscar does make bad choices, so sure. But I don't know. His immaturity, I don't know. His his whole glowworm thing. Is is he still fulfilling that glowwormness, or is he being too annoying and too dumb to fulfill that? I don't know. But he does also, you know, he brings people together. He reminds Lucy that Hedgehog and himself are her family when she's not sure that she has a Yeti family. So, you know, he comes in clutch every now and then, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah, he has his moments, but wow, does he look dumb most of the time. It's unfortunate. My sweet, sweet elephant. Again, that, that's my theory about the first episode, that Oscar was supposed to blab, and none of them are allowed to tell Lucy, but, you know, she's supposed to keep herself busy, so it's like, oh, so they don't know that I know, you know? I guess that's the only way for the Yetis to feel redeemed if they thought Oscar was going to tell her immediately. <laughs> then it would have, you know, not made her have had a crappy day. Unfortunately for them, he was too jet-lagged. I yes, alternate title jet lagged for this episode. I love that <laughs> the focus was just as much on Oscar and his I don't know why. I don't know why <laughs> they dug so hard into that again. The poor boy isn't that dumb. Hey, they got a lot of mileage out of that joke, so I think it worked. A lot of mileage. Mileage. Jet lag. Getting them frequent flyer miles, baby. You mentioned it's an interesting place for Summer Camp Island to spend five episodes. So I tried to give a lot of thought as to why we spend so much time with the Yetis. We had a series of episodes about deep friendship with Susie and Ramona. And we had a series of episodes about romantic love. So keeping in theme with relationships, we're focusing on Lucy's feeling of belonging in a family or in a community. And they really inspect that in a lot of different ways. Not so much in the first episode, but pretty much all the other episodes are about what it means to belong to a community. And it goes in depth, <laughs> like more than you would expect. Like with Fife's story, we look at, you know, sort of the debates and boundaries <laughs> around, you know, what it means to be a Yeti. And Fife feels excluded a lot of times because people don't want to be his friend for whatever reason, people find him annoying or, or whatever he claims. And, you know, that's interesting seeing them while well, Lucy and Fife fight over who has more knowledge. And then we have <laughs> Lucy just struggling in the other ones. The instrument episode was really interesting to me because it didn't feel like it should have resolved the way that it did. With her, well, I guess in that episode, she doesn't find her instrument. It's in the final episode that she actually finds it. Uh, the secondhand embarrassment from that concert was... That's usually not what I get out of Summer Camp Island. No, that was so beautifully cringe, or as Oscar, you know, nicely said, avant-garde. <laughs> Lucy trying... But I almost... I almost bought into it. Like, when Five was saying, you know, maybe clapping's your instrument... It was so funny that they <laughs> subverted that. You know, maybe that could have been the moral, but the music teacher's just like, no, that's, that's awful. That's just a noise. <laughs> like, no support. I, I liked when Miss Clarinet was having to go off the books. 
<laughs> I've never resorted to off-the-books methods before, as Lucy is upside down in what looks like some sort of torture device. Yeah, yeah, that is exactly what it looked like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a that was a rough one for Lucy. She starts the day, you know, eager to go to school, only to be humiliated by being put in with the yums, and then further humiliated by being the least advanced one in the class. <laughs> yeah, she's put at the complete bottom of the totem pole, and she doesn't deserve it because she reads chapter books, right? Yeah, however, she did have the honor of having Sadie Miller as her bus, so... Yeah, I I love that. All water under the bridge. But also, Lucy was really not paying attention because <laughs> she just refused to listen to her name. You know, oh, bus is an instrument? No, Lucy, mayonnaise <laughs> isn't an instrument either. Oh, man. Okay, so I guess horseradish is right out. <laughs> so looking at that, though, at the it, it takes two episodes for Lucy to realize that she has an instrument. I just think that what they were going for is different from what I want <laughs> for a story about community. Because it turns out that Lucy... So Lucy wanted... She already hung out with the Yetis before these episodes. She felt already a part of the community and she never knew that she had hidden yeti heritage and when she finds out it means that now the yetis can induct her into their group whereas previously they couldn't only because she didn't have heritage and once she finds out she has heritage it actually only puts her through turmoil yep <laughs> wondering if she's now a true yeti when in fact she should have belonged the whole time and yet no one says that and although uh, what's his name lithophone does become regretful at the very end for, you know, previously being a jerk to Lucy. He's still only regretful because Lucy proved that she is a Yeti by the terms that traditionally make a Yeti a Yeti. And I don't know if I love that. Like, I get that people can't just be a part of groups all the time as far as, like, when it comes to an ethnic group, if that's what Yetis are because it's their, like, species. Sure, I mean, people can't just join them necessarily, but at the same time, she's already engrossed in their culture, engrossed in friendships with them. She's a little awkward and it doesn't fit in sometimes because she didn't understand that their, you know, remembrance ritual wasn't one related to death, but, you know, she's learning. And yet, at the end of the day, she had to have an instrument to prove membership yep. in the group, which, sure... I mean, it's different to be a friend to a group versus being a part of a group. There are much, much higher standards to be a part of a group. So that's that's what Lucy has been faced with. Yeah, I just don't know if it's a good thing or not. <laughs> it's It's interesting because for Lucy, she doesn't feel like she belongs anywhere else. So she's desperate for a sense of community. And... She is in a community that she already felt accepted a part of. She was already in the book club. And now she's faced with having to become formally a part of that group that she wasn't before. I, I just think it's interesting because there's, you know, tons of real world analogs where, you know, you can join, you know, a religious community and go through their set of traditions and then you're a part of it. But you can probably, you can't you know, be an anthropologist and go down into South America and be researching a tribe and, you know, that tribe might ne not necessarily accept you as one of their own ever. Like, it just can't happen, you know, just yeah. because you were 
you know, involved in their community for decades or not, you know? So it's, it's just an interesting place that Summer Camp Island decided to inspect because they sure do, do, do it for five whole episodes. I think that is super intriguing, uh, especially for kids, like where that connects. Cause clearly Lucy, by the end, she's like, tell Oscar, call my mom. Cause I'm not coming home. <laughs> you know, I, I expected him to call out to Hedgehog to tell her. To be honest, like that's what I was half expecting, but with with these Yeti episodes, they're they're really going overtime and uh, kind of revamping the Yetis into more of a. I mean, in the especially in the first twenty episodes, the way they were portrayed was as semi intelligent. Definitely not the kind of people who would have buildings and diners and elaborate Sherbert storytelling traditions. Right, they were a little closer to animals. I'll take it. I'm glad it did feel like the mythology was expanded a bit. We've made this species more of a thing, which, you know, we have a few groups already that have been expanded into more of the thing, the witches, the monsters. So sure. And I like that there's the instrumentation, but I really like their tradition around death. Like when saxophone says that they give with warm hands and speak to warm hearts or something like that, that was actually really good motto and i was really impressed by just that story overall that someone came up with the concept of that yetis give remembrance to living members of their community that was super good and it was a great joke on on our characters that was another secondhand embarrassment episode but i I did like susie well if the children are done plotting Right, it's completely obvious to Susie. <laughs> like, they weren't even whispering. And, oh my gosh, Lucy's attempt at telling the story is so cringe. And it's even yep. better that Oscar and Hedgehog steal <laughs> from from Bassoon's house. And Bassoon's <laughs> just so chill. I freaking love Bassoon so much. I love the story of Bassoon and the Alien King. You know, just connecting in Arizona and staring up at the stars. Oh, that was a <laughs> that was a beautiful, beautiful story. I mean, Susie's was like I I loved how they were showing her embellishments. I, <laughs> I always love it when they do the I'm gonna show you what really happened while they tell you what they want you to think happened. I love it when they do that in cartoons. Yeah, Susie wants us to believe that Bassoon was furious at her prank and then could only weakly reply to her <laughs> the next day and uh, you know instead of what really happened. It's just such a good, you know, characterization that we already have for Susie, but always hilarious. With the with the way that uh, that fourth cloud she made and how uneasy the Sherbert cloud was to accept it, it made me really expect that it was going to be her fault, not for not having her instrument, but for messing up the story. But it turns out, nope, it was all Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, Hedgehog sinking down into her chair was great. It's uh, it's too bad that werewolves, you know, used to eat yetis. How do we know they still don't? Yeah, I, you know, Hedgehog's got some skeletons in the closet to face. I guess they're pretty chill with Betsy now, so I guess there's some accord they have. I mean, Hedgehog and Betsy don't actually, like, eat stuff on the full moon night, right? They kind of just hang out and vibe in the woods. So I don't understand why werewolves are so dangerous. There's probably some kind of the peace of the island or whatever that means all of that's in the past. Hmm. Maybe it was in the before times, before magic all retreated to the island, that werewolves were yeti predators. 
Also expanding on the Yetis, the way that they're born is adorable. Learning about the pups or, you know, they're not actually pups. They're yups. Yums. Yums. Excuse me. Yups are groups of yums? Or is that groups of yums? No, no, no. It's a scrum of yums or a hum of yetis. I'm so... I was really hoping you were just going to exactly recite Fife's <laughs> explanation, but I'll take it. Okay, fine. No, 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 no. You, you know it. You got it okay, down. I could if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> you could. You already... That's, you know, I believe it. Yeah, but spontaneous snow accumulation. Very cute. I wonder if they don't have romantic partners, though. I guess we haven't really... Well, Bassoon, Bassoon had dated. Yeah. Bassoon was feeling down after after his relationship went sour. Yeah. So he and the he and the alien king really bonded there. Unfortunately, forgetful Bassoon forgot the tent. <sighs> so I think the whole time we've talked about Summer Camp Island, we've never talked about the musical direction. I just because it was a Yeti centered batch of episodes and there was already, you know, just an inherent musicality to it, I paid attention more to the music and I just love Summer Camp Island's score. It was it was a specific scene between Lucy and Fife where they're arguing and I realized that as Lucy was speaking, her words were sort of rhythmic and the music was emphasizing every word she said and then like had a beat on Fife's response and I thought I hadn't ever paid attention to that and then I couldn't stop paying attention to it all the other episodes with just how like rhythmic it is and it's been there the whole time I just finally noticed it three seasons in and (laughs) it's so good I mean all like that classic cartoon score the way that you know you think of a Tom and Jerry cartoon or something where the music is basically describing the scene happening and that is so much what Summer Camp Islands is, except it's with light piano and jazz drums. <laughs> jazz drum kit, which just is so nice. I guess I have something to listen for now. Yeah, yeah. Pay attention to how frequently the music follows along with dialogue beats, because it is what makes the show... I, like, half the humor is just that the music is supporting the moment, which I love. But it's different It's different than like how Steven Universe uses music, because Steven Universe's music creates an atmosphere, and sometimes the beats go along to what's happening on the screen, but Summer Camp Islands is much more like the symphony playing along with the play. What I did not miss, what I did love, was in the last episode of this bunch, we were treated to not one, but two voice actors I was very happy to hear. We got Keith David as Lithophone. And we got Safety Inspector number seven returning to Summer Camp Island. Wait. To voice our favorite Cloud Puncher. Yes, yes. Having the Cloud Puncher back was awesome. I love her contemplating on top of the mountain. If there's no clouds, who am I? Am I just a person? And then (laughs) when the trio arrives, she says, Oh, good. I don't have to be a person anymore. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I loved how confident she was about the snow cloud and then the snow cloud teaches her like whew. i mean she runs away yeah which i guess it wasn't quite a cloud right something else magical mm. if it prevented her from punching it i mean i think all of the clouds are magical they they do ask her not to punch them <laughs> yes they do so i think there i think there is an element of magic to all of the clouds she she punches she's got to level up 
That's all. That's all there is to you it. Know, if you like talking clouds, you should watch uh, Hilda season two now out on Netflix. There's a lot of talking clouds in that show. Ooh. Just saying. We'll see. I uh, still have yet to see season one, but you uh, you guys recommend it very highly. Yes. Now that we have had this giant wave of Summer Camp Island episodes, surely there's going to be a long hiatus now, unless they just have more queued up. Because hey, streaming. Gotta sell subscriptions, baby. So Summer Camp Island has finished its trilogy on the human condition of relationships with friendship, romance, and community. There you go. <laughs> in a in a very lighthearted way. Yep, in a, in its own Summer Camp Islandy way. I'm I'm sad that the Winter Camp Guide didn't make any appearance at all. I mean, it was in the first episode that Yetis were introduced in. Why not this one? Well, and meanwhile, Susie appears in all of them. <laughs> because of course. Oh, okay, for one, Susie's the greatest, and then two, she's the creator's self-insert, so she has to be our guide. Yeah, I just miss I miss the other witches every time because Susie shows up so much and they're so much like second fiddles, but it's okay. I mean, now I want to see Betsy with the Yetis and see what they think of her. I mean, it was like I said, like I said, she got along well with them at the softball game, but maybe they don't know. Susie doesn't know. Is there a werewolf Yeti reconciliation episode coming up? Could be. Could be. Uh, we can, We can only help. If anyone can broker peace between the werewolves and the Yetis, and, you know, if it hasn't already been brokered, which I assume it has, but if it hasn't, Oscar will be the one to broker it. <laughs> yes, he can bring out his glowworm once more and not look like such a poor chump. Anyway, guys, that's been us on the Lucy Yeti episodes of Summer Camp Island. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Happy New Year! Well, it will be next time, but I'm saying it before instead of after. Yay 2021. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. <laughs>